What is it, this often seen correlation between mold toxicity and non-native EMF toxicity? We're going to begin to explore this question and offer some valuable insights in environmental illness in general, mold toxicity, and learnings applicable to so-called electrohypersensitivity, EHS, as we explore my close family members' awareness of and beginning treatment for mold toxicity and its overlap with their newly revealed non-native EMF sensitivity. I also put together an introductory mold resource which might be helpful if you're new to mold toxicity. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the broadcast. Coming up. EMF Remedy is dedicated to helping you understand which electromagnetic threats are present in your home, and whether in the context of your current home, one you're considering for purchase, or building a new home with comprehensive protection designed in, EMF Remedy can help you reduce your family's exposure to harmful, man-made electromagnetic radiation. I know I'm not the first to notice a correlation between mold toxic people and non-native emf toxic people no not a one-to-one correlation not like each and every ehs person has at some point experienced mold toxicity no that's not what i'm talking about nor that every mold toxic person has experienced or is experiencing ehs Nope, it's not that either. It's more like something is kind of familiar, like sort of I've heard this before. It happens enough that I've noticed it in things I've read, stories people have told me, things I've heard from my clients. There is this correlation. And now with a close family member who was recently diagnosed with and is being treated for mold toxicity. That's my terminology, by the way, mold toxicity, mold toxic. I'm not really sure what the doctor's charted on his chart. It doesn't really matter. Sick from chronic mold exposure. That's the gist of it. And by the way, I've learned recently, it's not just exposure to the mold itself. It's the poison gas produced by the mold, the mycotoxic effect. So mold toxicity is not easy to diagnose as I understand it, except by a physician with clinical experience in the area. That's what I'm told. I've read it in a couple of books I'm currently studying. I've heard it in lectures, and I'm currently experiencing that with my close family member. 
And through what I've read and heard on the topic, it seems like there are very few practitioners who have clinical experience. Hey, does, does that sound familiar? Does that sound a lot like EHS or electromagnetic poisoning? Not easy to diagnose without adequate clinical experience, hard to find an appropriately experienced practitioner. I would add, difficult to find people who are qualified to do the assessment and remediation of the home. And there are other interesting correlations with regard to treatment. One of the books that I'm reading, written by a naturopathic doctor who has strong experience with mold patients, she advises her clients that priority number one is to get away from the toxic environment. Leave your home. And the second and third priorities, second priority is leave your home. And the third priority is leave your home. So (laughs) she makes the point that she learned that from one of her mentors in mold treatment and toxicity And I'm emphasizing it the way that was done in her book. And she emphasizes it because, and this is is really interesting. She explains that when her own family became mold toxic, she didn't leave the home. Didn't encourage them to leave the home. Can you believe that? With all her clinical experience, uh, her specialization in this area, if you will, they didn't get out, and she knew that they should have. Now, part of the reason she mentioned, well, I'll let you read the book if you're interested. It'll be in that resource I mentioned uh, during the introduction. Um, And I'm not going to mention it just because it would take quite a discussion about a fuller understanding of the physiological impacts uh, having to do with the cognitive and neurologic effects of the poisoning. I do wonder whether there isn't a correlation with EMF there, too, for the same reasons having to do with cognitive and neurologic effects. I see people staying in their toxic environments, and it's weird. Anyway, she mentions in her book, Remediation, yes, the same term that we use with regard to our work with non-native EMF, remediation. The importance of having the right person doing it, doing it in the proper way, otherwise it doesn't work how it's not a casual thing. You can't poison the mold, by the way. You have to actually remove it. And there's just a lot of similarities to EMF there. The number one strategy for EMF remediation, remove the source. So do a poor job with mold remediation and your dwelling 
might still be uninhabitable. In fact, it may never be inhabitable for that particular person. Interesting, I thought. Can't get well where you got sick. May be able to remediate it. I see the the same thing in my EMF testing and remediation. It's the most interesting thing. Sometimes people will against all odds because, because, well, let's face it, you won't see a serious presentation of EMF harm in mainstream media news, right? Anyway, against all odds, somehow they become aware of the toxic nature of EMF, invest in a comprehensive home assessment, find exposure levels are concerning to them, and then they don't leave. They don't get serious about remediation to reduce the exposures either. Silly. Awareness, analysis, then stop. No remediation. Just inches from the goal line. Here's another interesting correlation with mold and EMF. Once you've become toxic, you can go away someplace to be, well, we'll say cleansed, in a sense, to recover from your exposure. But what happens if you return to where you got sick? Return to the same exposures that made you sick? It's obvious, right? Without adequate remediation, and I mean measuring exposures before and after remediation with EMF, you're going to be exposed all over again. All right, so back to my close family member who, and this is like hot off the press news, just happened, just happening, really. And their mold experience. Now, they began experiencing a variety of unusual symptoms, wound up in the hospital once, experienced an increasing number of new symptoms, none of the doctors, and I think the doctors were wonderful, good at their jobs and all that, they weren't able to diagnose mold toxicity appropriately. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Clinical experience with mold toxicity is a rare thing. And evidently, If you don't have it, you can miss it. They, and I'm talking about my close family member, for the first time ever became electrically sensitive. In fact, they were having this weird constellation of of symptoms that don't easily correlate to anything. And this person was working in an environment really close to a Wi-Fi router. Why is Wi-Fi at the heart of so much badness with regard to electromagnetic poisoning? It's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, that that is what landed them in the hospital. And that was the introduction to electrical sensitivity. And it wasn't known that mold toxicity was going on. 
Health continued to erode, frustration, not knowing what was wrong. Their loved ones literally begged them to get out as it couldn't have been more obvious there was an unhealthy environmental exposure and they stayed completely refused to leave interesting now here's the most amazing part revolving around would you believe divine revelation and then contrast and we've talked about contrast before haven't we and if you know my story about when I was at my worst, you know about the divine revelation part of it. But anyway, with this individual, they prayed not for healing, but wisdom regarding the root cause. They wanted desperately to know what was the root cause of their illness. Getting that information, then they established a with and without contrast. In other words, they made a temporary change in environment and symptoms immediately began to improve with them living in an environment without mold. Wonderful. Wonderful to have that insight that mold might be the problem. Wonderful then to act on that, to remove yourself from the mold-infested environment and to experience an improvement in uh, symptoms. In other words, the symptoms diminished. By the way, I think that might even be much more difficult with EMF, right? Because everybody's infatuated with it. Everybody, everybody seems to have more than their fill in their home. So getting to a pristine environment to establish a context, a contrast, excuse me, to establish a proper contrast between the environment with the toxic EMF and without. Perhaps a lot more challenging than getting in a mold-free environment. From there, it was a matter of finding a local mold literate naturopathic doctor who made the diagnosis and outlined a treatment plan. Now, not that there aren't allopathic doctors with clinical experience in treating mold toxicity. In fact, I'm in the process of reading a book from a, an MD, a medical doctor, who is well-known in the area of treating mold patients, uh, among other environmental toxicities. Um, and I'll, I'll put that in. That information is in the resource as well. I won't get into the whole naturopathic versus allopathic doctor thing is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that my family member chose the naturopathic doctor route and is on their way to healing right now. So what is it about EMF and mold toxicity? Why do I continually see people coming to me for EMF assessments who mention in passing, you know, I don't do any kind of health screening, but people mention things in passing and 
the amount of times I hear about mold toxicity is really um, beyond coincidence, it seems to me. And I've always wondered about what is this? Why, why is this there, this correlation? So I'm going to share with you my best guess for right now. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. This is just my opinion. My expertise is in EMF assessment and remediation. But I guess I can have an opinion, right? <clears throat> Perhaps it's due to demyelation of the nerves. According to the research that I've read, it seems both mycotoxin exposure as well as low-intensity RF exposure can both result in degradation of the protective myelin sheath surrounding the nerves. That would be my guess as to why mold-toxic people feel the non-native EMF, because their nerves, due to partial deconstruction of the protective sheath surrounding the nerve, more easily conduct the non-native EMF. Hey, I may be completely off and left field with that, but I'm going to put it out there because well, it's my honest uh, best guess. And I would love to hear from those of you who have studied this issue more than I have, just because, well, it doesn't affect how I do my EMF testing and remediation. So it's just a curiosity for me, but I'm kind of curious. I like to learn new things. I would like to know why my clients are often or more than I might expect also mold toxic. So let's finish up. What is actionable? What is the point of all of this? And what was that free resource on mold that I mentioned? The first rule of environmental medicine for EHS, for mold, probably for MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity as well. If your environment is toxic, you need to stop the exposure. With mold, this often means leaving your home now. Maybe your mold-infested home can be remediated over time, maybe not. Same with electromagnetic poisoning. <laughs> Get out now to a pristine EMF environment. Or get your assessment and follow through immediately on your EMF remediation plan. And only if your EMF consultant believes that following the remediation plan will get you to your required exposure levels. And that's a decision you need to make. And we've talked about the fact that there are habitable places 
from a visual perspective that are completely uninhabitable for those wanting or needing lower exposure to non-native EMF. The good news is that where EMF can practically be remediated, that's often much faster than a mold remediation. As I mentioned, can't really kill mold. And just because it's out of sight doesn't mean it's not still reduce, uh, releasing the toxic gases, the micro uh, mycotoxins I mentioned. So awareness of the problem, wonderful, can't live without it. True gift from God, I believe. Proper testing, proper EMF testing is critical, necessary. A remediation plan, if possible, critical. All of these are necessary, but without implementation, without follow-through, uh, worthless. So I would encourage you to follow through to the end, persevere, getting to the required non-native EMF exposure levels in your home is the priority. And the great news is that intensity levels in all four major types are measurable. You'll be able to measure the improvement. Awareness is great. Testing is great. A remediation plan is great. But without putting the plan into action, you still have a toxic environment. Now, here's the resource. As I mentioned in the introduction, I put together an introductory mold resource. Really, this is just to point you to some helpful areas. Uh, it took an awful lot of study and a lot of reading, separating the wheat from chaff to establish a direction, help establish a direction for this close family member of mine. And I just want to be able to share that. There is no cost to the resource. It may be helpful if you're new to mold toxicity. Send an email message to keith at emfremedy.com. That's K-E-I-T-H at emfremedy.com. With the subject mold and your name in the body of the message, and I'll send you the resource which outlines several items that were of help to us, including the following. A symptom screening questionnaire, an online test, a couple of book references, and if you could give me 24 hours to respond, please, I would appreciate it. In closing, I want to share some observations on EMF, then some words of encouragement. I would ask you to consider EMF poisoning. How all of us, drawn by the allure of convenience, amusement, and or stimulation, are poisoning ourselves and each other, even our unborn children, in ways not generally understood by most people. We're amusing ourselves to death and we're harming one another. The good news is the most important sources of EMF are those closest to you. That makes what happens in your own homes most important in reducing personal exposure. Until society regains its wits, 
have your home evaluated, find out what the EMF challenges are so you can reduce exposure for all of those under your roof. Make the decision to opt out of what others consider smart. Smart meters, smart phones, smart homes. Embrace a little inconvenience now and then. And take your amusement and stimulation from the natural world. That's my encouragement. Our homes are the last bastion of defense. Take control of yours. Thank you for your time and attention. If you find value in reversing electromagnetic poisoning, please consider becoming a supporter. Link is in the description. Leaving a review for this podcast and rating this podcast will help others to be able to find this weekly free resource. Super looking forward to next week. We'll see you then.